We're back. Thank you, back. Hey, friends. You're listening to Life in Theater, the podcast where theater artists who aren't working on Broadway come to reconnect with why we all chose this life in theater and spill the tea. I'm your host, Tyler Calhoun, and I am so happy that you decided to spend some time with me today. Welcome to the very first episode of what will hopefully be a long-running, beautiful, and inspirational podcast for a lot of people. If you're a theater kid, I don't need to explain to you the significant role that theater educators play in our training, our lives, and our overall development as people. To get this podcast started with a bang, I decided to interview five of the most influential theater teachers I've had the pleasure to work with in a series I'm calling Things My Theater Teachers Taught Me. I hope the interviews in this series will remind you of an incredible theater teacher that you had while you were in school. For episode one, I interviewed someone really special to so many people all over the world. And literally, I cannot believe that she decided to give me an interview. It's Pam Cardell! Pam is a powerhouse of a woman who is the magic behind the theater department at Eastern Michigan University. Anyone that knows Pam will say that she is fearless, a loving mentor, and notorious for cardelling people. What is cardelling, you say? That is when she kind of just comes up to you and tells you that you're going to do something for the department, and you do it because she said you were going to, and it was honestly probably a good idea anyway. Cardelling can be anything from running a workshop at Drama Day or escaping campus for a lunch at my East to clear your head. It's a toss-up, but you never say no to it. Cardelling is truly a beautiful thing. Now, I went to Eastern for undergrad and graduate school. Don't judge me. They were really generous with that financial aid money, honey. In all seriousness, EMU presented me with many opportunities to pay for my school as I went by taking on-campus jobs and assistantships. Also, the faculty and staff at EMU are some of the most dedicated and supporting professional artists that I've had the pleasure to work with. If you didn't have the good fortune to go to Eastern, first of all, I am so sorry, sis. But I am geeked for you all to meet some of the incredible Eastern faculty through these interviews. And if you're one of my friends listening, first of all, thank you so much for being here. Second of all, I hope that these interviews shine a light on the people that we love and help us get to know them even better. When the thought entered my mind to make a podcast, I immediately knew who I wanted to have as my first guest. Pam is incredible. She is the person who gave me my first job in social media back in 2014, and I've had the great opportunity to work with arts organizations on social media in various ways ever since. Pam has also been a rock of support for me and countless other people at EMU, so I was sure that whatever she decided to share in our interview would be useful and relevant to you. This is a really special interview with so many little nuggets of wisdom that I hope bring you comfort and joy and peace during these trying times. I hope you enjoy this episode. just going to record this and then if there's any mess ups or anything I can edit it out so don't worry about it <laughs> if he says if there are any mess ups <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much for joining me Pam like you have no idea how excited I am to have this little chat with you and to pick your brain about just theater and what you think about it excellent well I am excited to talk with you Tylette 
So first of all, I want to ask you, can you tell us a bit about your role at Eastern Michigan University and how long you've been there? My role at Eastern Michigan University. Let's see. I have been there since the dark ages. (laughs) So like when dirt came out? Right, right. I was there when dirt was invented. It was awesome. Uh, I started as a student at EMU in 1987, Wow! fall of 1987. And I did both my undergrad and graduate work there. And then I left and I was um, working for a huge PR firm like North American International Auto Show was one of our clients. And it was, anyway, okay. uh, Ken Stevens called me and said, Ken Stevens, who used to be the director of theater, called me and said, how would you like to come back to EMU and work more hours and make less money? <laughs> I was like, yeah, more hours and less money. That, that sounds perfect. <laughs> So I came back to EMU. Um, When I first came back, I was considered a lecturer. Mm -hmm. Didn't really have this position for me. And um, then the position kind of formed and was uh, created. So I'm the, my title is assistant managing director of EMU theater, but I do just a little bit of everything. I um, run the scholarship program and I coordinate the production program and I coordinate the publicity and student crew. I mean, I do a little bit of everything. I've even in my time at EMU um, made a shrunken head. That was one of my jobs one day. I need a shrunken head for a show. Pam, go make one. I've also shellacked a chicken. What? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Theater is never boring. Never. Shrunken heads and shellac chickens work. Right? It's a good time. (laughs) (laughs) Shellac chickens and shrunken heads. That's a lot. What what made you, Pam Cardell, decide to get into theater in the first place? Uh, Escape. Um, Yeah. I didn't always, like, so I'm talking like way back second grade. I was was an Easter goose in a school play in my elementary school. Oh my gosh. Like I love yep. screaming on the inside. <laughs> the geese rose up and like picketed the Easter bunny. We were very upset <laughs> that he was using chicken eggs instead of anyways, it was a whole thing. I'm into this like <laughs> religious political passion play drama. <laughs> I'm here for it. So I got to be an Easter goose for the school play in like second grade. Um, and I loved it. You know what I mean? It wasn't just like doop de doop. I'm a kid and I'm having fun. I mean, that was part of it, but I felt something more like being, being the shy kind of reserved kid. And all of a sudden I'm up on stage dressed as a goose and performing this. And these people are loving it. And that was it, right? It was this feeling of you having an impact on the audience. And even as a kid, I got it that that was something special. Mm. Um, And then uh, I was really fortunate that our school uh, Mm -hmm. did a short semester session of something called Project Nova. And they took a handful of us kids and um, we went off. And I'm guessing, like thinking back on it, it was probably college students that were brought in to work with us. And we got to, and again, I'm like, you know, second, third grade, we're performing like spoken word. We're Mm -hmm. creating our own 
poetry and our own performance art and just doing all of these like creative outside of the box stuff, you know, and so the process of it, I loved and having, you know, had that opportunity to perform that little show in elementary school, that relationship with the audience and feeling like you're having, having an impact on this group of people, you know, working together as a community with your other performers that I loved it. So Mm -hmm. I was hooked early on. I was hooked. Yeah. You, you may have already answered this, but just in case if you have a different response, I want to ask you anyway. What do you love about theater? Oh, that's it. I mean, and that's the thing that breaks my heart right now that we can't do. It is that community. Yeah. It's that love relationship that you get to have with the people that you're performing with on stage. And mm-hmm. that love relationship that you get to have with your audience. I mean, when you are working on a show, whether you're backstage or you're on stage or you're on headset, and you're listening to the audience respond to this magic that you've made, right? You've made this junk up <laughs> and totally responding to it. And if you have that moment, whether someone's about to laugh or someone's about to cry or somebody's about to be ticked off and you hear that little intake of breath, you hear somebody in the audience go, just that little and you're like, yeah, I got you. I got you. I have, we are connected, man. I have impacted your breath, your life force. And so it's that feeling that you get when all of those things are coming together, that community, that love relationship that mm-hmm. makes me love theater like no other art form. Yeah. It's so magical. It is. You t- just you talking about it. I know exactly what you're talking about and what you mean. And I think yeah. theater artists will be able to tap into that you know and understands that and gets it it is it's theater is magic yeah you know it's the truest form of magic and i love it Ugh, me too (laughs) so moving on to something a little more shady (gasps) (gasps) oh what don't you like about theater because sometimes theater is frustrating what don't i like about theater Ooh. um it is really, really hard work. Yeah. It takes a lot out of you. I think it is, it's fascinating for me when I watch students come into my office um, and they tell me, and I've never seen them before, and they walk in and they tell me that they want to be a theater major. And I always ask them, why? Why do you want to be a theater major? What do you think you want to get out of it? Where do you see yourself once you get your degree? And I... Mm-hmm had a lot of people come in and tell me, well, I think theater is fun and I want to do something easy. Oh. And I'm like, oh, friend, no, no, no. Long business, child. You are, no, we're going to look at something else. Let me steer you towards something else because there's nothing about it that's easy. It's long hours. It's incredibly hard work. It's very little pay, if at all, right? Um, you really have to love it. You, it really has to be your passion for you to pursue it because it's just, it's, it's rough. If, I mean, if you try and get out and do it professionally, I mean, stop and think about all of the competition Yeah, that's out there. You know, there are so many people that don't want you in that business. They don't want the competition. They don't want you, uh, they don't want you there. So 
that's tough. I mean, just the, the nature of it, the long hours, the hard work, how difficult it is. Um, that's the, the stuff I, I don't like. And I don't like that people don't appreciate that, don't understand that. Yeah. You know, we'll get asked to do a lot of events with the theater and um, I'll paraphrase, but people pretty much say, well, couldn't you just do, mm-hmm. couldn't you just, I mean, just put something together. It'll be fun for you guys. I'm like, yeah, you know what? Ultimately performing, it, it is fun. But it's a lot of hard work. There's so much hard work that makes theater happen that I don't think people really understand. Yeah. And so I feel like a lot of people that have that impression of like, oh, I want to do this. It's fun. You know, they've seen, they might have seen like a Broadway show when they were younger or something that came through that their school took them to. But I wonder how familiar they are with regional theater, you know, and what the that side of the professional industry is like, because I feel like they're very disparate, you know, yes. and it's a lot more light. It gets the lights of Broadway and the other one gets kind of the light that we give to it. Right. You know, right. and how our community responds to it. Yeah. 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 So I guess that that's the thing that I, I don't like is um, people not understanding all of that stuff that goes on that makes the magic happen. Yeah. And there's a lot. There's a lot that makes the magic happen. Oh, yes. <laughs> Speaking of magic and magic's happening, what do you think is the most significant change in theater that you may have been a part of or witnessed in your career so far? Let's see. The most significant change to theater that I've seen. Um, the technology yeah. I mean, I, I hope that's not like a cop-out answer, but really just just witnessing the technology. When I think about the shows that we are doing at EMU Theater right now versus the shows that I did as a student at EMU Theater, yeah. I mean, the storytelling part of it is there, right? You still have a set designer, you still have an actor, you still have a director, but what we are able to do now with the technology is incredible. Adding projections and things like that to our performances have just um, allowed us to blow up our imagination even more, which has been amazing, right? Because as, as theater people, that's always kind of the thing that's happening in your head. You know, you're always like, wouldn't it be cool if? Yeah. And you want to be able to do, you know, you want to be able to make the magic even bigger. So I, I love watching how technology has been able to enhance the, the art of storytelling in theater. Oh, yes. And that's been a pretty significant change, like you said, at Eastern. Back in day when I was working in the CMTA <laughs> office for you as the social media marketing <laughs> assistant. Oh, yeah, that's a throwback. <laughs> I was a big fan of making like the throwback Thursday pictures or yeah, I think it was like throwback Thursday. I don't know. I would love looking through the old pictures and just seeing where the tech has gone from Eastern, like just in the eighties to now. And that's, you know, 40 years. I can't imagine what it's going to be like in 40 more, especially with the new um, entertainment design and technology program. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I love the fact that we have that program now. I mean, I've watched, um, I was just privileged to kind of watch the formation of that program and how long people like, you know, John Charles and, 
Jeremy Hopgood and Melanie and Brian and Madeline, everybody kind of formed together, but they built that program off of the people who came before, right? Like a Katie Strand Evans and a George Bird and all of those people are, have led to the creation of this program. And like you said, I can't wait to see where this program is going to go. Not just the ED&T, but EMU theater as a whole. Where is this going to go? Where is technology going to take us? Where are we going to be allowed to, you know, blow up our imaginations and make the magic even cooler going forward? Yeah, that's going to be cool. What are some changes uh, that you would like to see in theater in the next 25 years? Changes that I would like to see in theater in the next 25 years. Um, okay, you asked. So Yes, I sure did, Pam. <laughs> what is the tea? Um, I want more women directors. Yes. I want more women designers. Yes. <laughs> I want more plays written about women. Yes. As, you know, I, uh, well... As a woman, um, it's tough. I mean, there are times when I'm looking at our student population for EMU Theater, and we're trying to come up with a show that has a lot of really strong female characters in it. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how disappointing it is that we are in the year 2020, and these shows are still so difficult to find. Yep. Especially if you are looking for, oh, someone, please, please start writing these shows. Because if you are looking for a show for strong women of color, Mm. holy cow, those are hard to find. Um, So I would love to see more inclusion. Mm. And I love where theater has come from. But as we move forward, we have to be responsible in acknowledging our whole diverse human race, right? We can't just do the shows about the strong white dude forever and ever. That's going to make me sad. Me so, too. <laughs> going forward, yeah, I want I want that inclusivity. I want everybody to be able to come to a show and uh, look up on the stage and see their story being told. You know, the young introvert asexual coming in and seeing somebody up on that stage and having that right that breathtaking moment because they see themselves represented up there so yeah I that's what I want going forward is for us to yeah really start expanding the work that we're doing and who's doing the work you know that's what I would love to see yeah that is, there's there's something so powerful about seeing your story on stage. Absolutely. The feeling of, oh, that's my story. I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. You know, and the validation that that gives you and the sense of connection that that gives you. You know, you're no longer this wayward body just kind of hanging out in no man's land on your own. It's like, oh, there's other people like me and they've yeah. made it out, you know, or they've made yeah. it through and I'm going to be okay too, you know? And I think that's huge. And I think that's why theater is so important because we do bring all different types of people together and we do Mm. really try to represent as best we can. Um, But having that, that moment where people are physically in the same space and somebody gets to recognize themselves 
on stage. And then they look around and they literally physically are not alone. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's just, that's incredibly powerful. Yeah, it really is. Theater people often struggle with confidence. I know it's very surprising. A lot of us were shy before we got on stage or are <laughs> off stage, but not on stage. It's weird. I don't know what it's about, but you know. So what advice do you have for um, theater people that struggle with confidence? Um, do what scares you. Hmm. And the only power that people have is the power that you give them. Yeah. So knowing that people in the business, like when you go into an audition uh, as an actor, knowing that the people behind the table that are watching you want you to succeed. Mm -hmm. They are desperately rooting for you. They want you to be that person that they're looking for. You know, as a designer, when you're going into, into a room to pitch your design to the team for the first time, knowing that you have the right to be proud of what you've made and that theater is this incredible collaborative uh, energy that you get to be a part of. So put your stuff out there and allow people to help you make it better. You know, put your stuff out there, put yourself out there. Um, there's a, a quote Somebody says that acting is like standing up naked in front of a crowd and turning around very slowly. And I don't think that's just acting. I think that's anybody that's in theater because when you're putting something forward, whether you're a director or a designer or a performer, you're, you have to be so vulnerable, right? You are just laying yourself out. You are allowing people um, to see inside of you, to see who you really are. And so that in itself takes such bravery. So know that you are that strong, right? You are that brave. And that by coming forward and sharing, you are going to touch that person in the audience who wants to hear their story represented. Mm -hmm. And it's worth it, man. It's hard. It's so hard, but it's so worth it. Yeah. I completely agree with you. It is so worth it. Yes. And if you can if you can get past that vulnerability and the the uncomfortability that comes with it, yeah. you reap the benefits in the end. Yes. I think too, like, I, I love that you brought up many different areas of theater because whether you're a director, whether you're a designer, whether you are a marketer, whatever you're doing in theater or an actor, of course, you know, but you're putting yourself out there in a way that most people don't, you know, or right. do they're in an intimate relationship with somebody or some kind of, you know, intense partnership where they have to be vulnerable with each other. Well, and that's, that's it though, Tyler, what you just said. I mean, that's theater, right? It is that intimate relationship. It is everybody that's working to create the piece and, and in every way, the marketing person, the playwright, the director, the performers, the technicians, they're all coming together to create that intimate relationship with each other and with their audience. And that it's that intimacy, right? That beauty that connects theater, you know, unlike anything else. I love to go watch movies. Yeah. I love to watch certain shows on television, but you don't get it. You don't get that intimate connection. You don't get that shared space 
with somebody else, with some other human soul, that connection. Yeah. That's, that's theater. I love it. I find myself too with like movies and TV, like it's a lot easier to kind of turn my brain off and not, and, and, and like, I guess more so escape than in Mm -hmm. theater because with theater, I can, I can kind of escape into the story, but I never really like leave my body. I know where I'm at. I know I'm watching a show and maybe that's because I'm so immersed in theater that I can't totally just like wah into it. But with, I feel like with movies and TV, I kind of find myself slipping into like a binge where if I've been watching something for too long, I'm not really watching it anymore. You know, I'm just kind of passively watching it, but theater, it kind of requires this, this active engagement and interpretation that's continuously happening as it's going. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, theater, it forces you because you are physically in that space. It forces you to feel something. You can't completely disengage. Yeah. You hate it. You love it. You, you know, it makes you happy. It makes you sad, but you can't completely disengage because you're, you're there in that shared space, you know, and I love it when audiences, um, audience has impact on audience, right? I mean, they've done scientific studies where people sitting and watching a live event, their breathing begins to regulate with each other. Their heart rate regulates with each other. So they become this, you know, symbiotic energy that's kind of responding to what they're seeing together as a collective. And you don't get that watching a a movie or watching a television show. Yeah. You just don't. It's, it's it's like we've been saying. It's magic. <laughs> be the name of this episode: Theater Magic with Pam Cardell. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> okay, so moving on, I guess to something that's a little more difficult. What are your thoughts concerning how COVID nineteen will impact the state of theater in the long or short term? I have talked to Ryan Lewis about this and told him that I wish COVID-19 were a person so I could punch it in the face. (laughs) Yes. Oh, Pam takes on COVID-19. Yes. I'm here for it. Um, it's, It's devastating, right? It's heartbreaking to watch all, uh, to watch all of the things that we had to let go of because of this virus and because of the threat that this virus brings. We had to cancel multiple shows at the end of Mm -hmm. our season. Um, I should be in rehearsals right now. I should be in rehearsals for the June show right now. And the day that we had to tell our cast that that show wasn't going to happen was devastating. I mean, I just, I didn't even have the words to say that. So there's been a huge amount of heartbreak and there's been a huge amount of loss. Um, And I think going forward, we are going to be in a time where we won't be able to do theater as we know it, to do theater as it was meant to be. And the, thing that keeps me going is because the thing that keeps me going is the people who do theater are so amazing and so creative. And I 
can't wait to sit back and watch what we are going to do to fill the in-between. You know, the last show that we did at EMU was called Something Between. Mm -hmm. And it's just ironic that the show posters are still up in front of Quirk Theater. And that's where we are right now, right? We're living life Mm -hmm. in the something between, in the something between what was and the something that's going to be, right? And so we're, COVID has us kind of um, trapped in this place, in this in-between. And even here, I'm loving the things, I'm loving the creativity that I'm seeing come out of it. Um, People are angry, people are hurting, people are grieving, (laughs) but people are still passionate and they are still creative and they are so resilient. And I love seeing the things that are coming out of this, you know, not just um, from theater artists, but from all different types of people who they, they feel that, right? Something's been taken from them and they feel that and that is impacting them and they are responding. So I am love, I love watching these responses, but in my heart of hearts, I'm missing theater in its truest form. I'm angry that COVID has taken away our ability to do that, but I know 1000% we will be back to do it again, right? COVID, you little sissy, you are not the first plague that has come our way, okay? We're going to roll with it, and we're going to come out even more beautiful on the other side. So, yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait to see all of the um, creativity that's going to come out. And, oh, my gosh, can you stop and just imagine the electricity in the first sold-out show? Oh, it's going to be wild. Right? The people on the stage, the people in the catwalks, Mm. the stage manager at the booth, the playwright at the back of the house, watching that audience being allowed to come together for the first time post-COVID, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. The applause are going to be thunderous before the play even starts. Oh my God, it's so true. And there is no better feeling than when you are, are not even starting yet. The lights are going down and you get an applause and you're like, oh, this is going to be an amazing show. <laughs> I'm just getting goosebumps just thinking about that. Yeah. Like theater people out there that are listening to this, are you getting goosebumps too? Because, oh my God, <laughs> it's going to be so fun when we can get back yeah. to doing what we do and what makes us us. Yes. Yeah. 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 Just setting, setting that passion free once again, releasing mm-hmm. that magic once again, it's, it's going to be it's going to be amazing. So audiences, prepare to get your tickets now. Yes, find your local theater, find a new theater that you want to go support and buy a ticket. <laughs> buy two. Yep. Theater people often have a difficult time maintaining a healthy work-life balance. Uh, you know this, you know this from mentoring students every single day in your office. You know this from being a director. You know this from being a theater mom to a child that did theater and does theater. So advice, thoughts, what do you think? Advice on work-life balance in the theater. It's really tough, really necessary. Yeah. Right. Um, 
you have to take time to fill your bucket. If you're going to pour out into other people, if you're going to pour out into your art form, if you're going to pour out into any kind of work that you're doing. So if you are not taking the time to take care of yourself, it's going to show. Um, I have been guilty of this time and time again, mm -hmm. and I've watched people around me be guilty of this time and time again, where you say, I don't have time to, I don't have time to eat better. I don't have time to sleep right. better. I don't have time to, you know, leave the office for two minutes and walk away and give myself a moment of peace. That's crap. It's just crap. And I sort of feel like, um, we've all been put in a big timeout right now. Yeah. Where we're realizing how much can get done without doing things the way we thought we had to. Right. You know? And so I think this is a taking something positive from this time. It's been a great wake up call to, to realize that and to know that going forward, we don't have to go back to life as normal as quote unquote normal and we shouldn't right we should take this opportunity to make ourselves into something better and we should demand something better to go forward to mm -hmm. um but work-life balance yeah you you have to have that to survive we have to have that to create our art and to move forward and to love each other and i say it all the time you know self-care is not selfish. Yeah. It's necessary, it's important, and it's not just important for you, mm -hmm. right? Because when you are all jagged and ragged and tired and you haven't eaten, you're just a hot mess, right? You can't do what you need to do for others. So the this, this selfish part, the selfish part is when you are not taking the time to take care of yourself, right? Because that junk is going to impact the people around you. So um, Terry Heck, bless her heart, uh, before she passed, she and I had a really long conversation about this, about work-life balance and spiritual balance and all of that. And um, I had gotten into a really bad habit of just not having lunch, just kind of running through the day because like that one hour is going to make such a difference in the long run, which it totally is not. Uh, so we had a long talk about that and I made her a promise that while I was at Quirk every day, I was going to walk away, walk out of the building for at least an hour a day. And I, you know, until they kicked us all out of the building and we can't go back. <laughs> uh, but I did, I, I kept that promise, you know, and I would tell people, I don't care if the building's on fire, which by the way, I have been there once when the building was on fire. <gasps> But I, I walk out every day for an hour, whether it's to go for a walk mm -hmm. or it's to go get lunch and to sit and read something that has nothing to do with anything that I've been working on. Um, but just taking that time, that little short break in the day allows me to go back and mm -hmm. refocus and have different perspective. And it allows me to do my job better. It allows me to love my students better, to be a better colleague to my coworkers. And ultimately, it makes the art better. Yeah, you're so right about that. And I think that 
that is such a hard lesson for theater artists to learn, especially when you're young, because you're told, you know, you need to you need to do so many things. You need to make your resume super long and you need to always be saying yes to everything. But I think something that is equally, equally as important, but is not taught at you know that that age in our careers or that point in our careers is that you need to have a balance yeah you know and you need to have a practice whether that's spiritual whether it's an a fitness practice something that gets you out of you know the the commitments that you believe you have to everybody else and teens you back into yourself and what's important yeah. you know because theater could go away during covid right? and you you are left on your own and and when you don't have theater what's left right right yeah you have to you have to have those boundaries in your life yeah um you know we all have some form of calendar we all have some form of planner Mm -hmm. get out your pen get out your permanent marker and write right in that calendar right in that planner type it on your little phone and give yourself time you know a meeting with yourself put it in there like this is my one hour with Pam today and you don't change it, right? It's written in permanent marker. You don't change it. Somebody comes and says, hey, we've got this. You say, that's great. I can't meet with you from one to two, but I can meet with you at 2.30 and you keep that time for yourself because you are just as important as anything or anybody that wants time from around you. Yeah. And when you take yourself seriously, other people will take your time seriously, you know? Yeah. And- respectful of it mm-hmm. when you have your clear boundaries and you're like I am available from this time but I'm not then like okay we can make that work yep I think people are more flexible than theater artists think you know we're so beholden to people all the time whether that's a director for notes or a casting team for a role you know or a designer for if they're trying to get a gig at a theater company it's it's difficult to stand up for yourself and making your your needs known because self-care is definitely about making your needs known because they're important. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And theater is such a collaborative art form. Showing up for yourself allows you to show up better for everybody else. Yes. Yay. What is something that you wish you knew starting off in your theater career? Something I wish I knew starting off in my theater career. Well, I started off primarily as a performer. And so I would have to say, understanding early on that the people in the audition were rooting for me, Mm. that the people watching my audition wanted me to succeed. If I could have gotten that in my head and fully believed it in my entire being, I think that would have changed for me so much um, struggle right of starting out of going to those auditions and you get that negative voice in your head you know that little self voice that starts telling you Mm -hmm. oh my gosh look at all these other people in the room they're so much better than I am or you walk into the audition and you see the adjudicators that are watching the audition the director the casting director whoever is there and you start having those Mm self-doubts flood you and now having spent so much more time on the other side of the table, Mm -hmm. I wish I could go back and tell early me, they love you. They want you to be good. Just relax and have fun and do what you do. Let them see you. That's what they want to see. 
Yeah. That's so real. It's, it's, it's hard, I think. And I think auditioning is a muscle that you definitely have to practice and get comfortable with that uncomfortability. But the self-doubt is such a waste of time. Yes. Doubting yourself and doubting your abilities, you know, you may not be right for that part and there's nothing that you can do about that, but you can prepare, you can show up ready and you can give it your all and give it your best, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, just, you know, pushing and it's, it's hard, right? It's so hard to push that self doubt aside because we have a tendency as human beings to be so willing to accept the negative. Mm -hmm. And it's so hard for us to accept the positive. I know you and I had a conversation about this once about looking somebody in the eyes you can tell them something negative mm -hmm. and they absorb it immediately. And if you look somebody in the eyes and tell them something positive, mm -hmm. it takes 10 times as long to absorb something positive if they're able to absorb something positive at all. Right. So I think that's something that we as humans need to, to work on is really building up that positivity within us and understanding who we are and loving who we are, right? And being ready, being ready to, to share who that person is with yeah. others. You know? That's so real. And you got to love yourself at the end of the, at the end of the day, you have to love yourself because you are a majestical creature that is completely unique, like a snowflake, even if you don't like that term, I don't care. <laughs> you, are, you are majestic. There's nobody else that's going to be like you and that can perform the way you do or design the way you do. Artists are unique creatures and you've got to spend some time loving yourself because everybody else is going to, you know, they'll, they'll take care of the criticism. Don't worry about that. So don't do it yourself. Right, right. And I think it's important too to understand that that criticism that you get, it comes from two different places. Mm -hmm. And you need to start being able to um, discern where those two places are. Because yep. when people give you criticism, they are either trying to improve you, they're trying to help lift you up, they're trying to say, hey, I see this thing that you're doing, and I see how you could do it better. Yeah. And I want to help you. Or criticism comes from that place of the person giving it, they're afraid. You challenge them you scare them, you make them feel less than because they see something in you that they feel they don't have. Yep. And that scares them. And so sometimes that criticism comes from that negative place, which has absolutely nothing to do with the person who's getting the criticism. It's all about the person who is giving it. Listen, listen to what Pam said, because it is an important lesson and it is so hard to learn. <laughs> Don't take it personally if it's ego-driven criticism. Exactly, exactly. Oh my God, Pam, you're dropping all the hot tea in this episode. I'm so excited. Oh, this is what happens when you've been around since the dark ages. You learn things. You learn a couple of useful things. You do. <laughs> Speaking of useful things, what is something significant that theater has taught you or shown you about life? Something significant that theater has taught me or shown me about life. Um, that's a trick question, I think, Tyler, because 
every time you watch theater, every time you're involved in theater, Mm -hmm. it shows you something significant about life. Yeah. You watch students going to school full time, working multiple jobs, rehearsing until 11 o'clock or midnight, and then getting up and going to, uh, you know, take an exam the next morning. And you watch those type of theater artists and you think, wow, that is incredible strength. That is incredible Mm -hmm. perseverance. Um, You watch people doing regional theater who are barely getting by in multiple jobs, and yet they're going to take every second of their free time Mm -hmm. to pour back in to this art that fulfills them like nothing else can. And you see this incredible beauty in that sacrifice that they're making to make their art come to life when they don't have the million dollar budget and, you know, the team of people that can do everything um, that they wish they could, you know, get done on a show. And then you do see the the people doing the big Broadway productions. And I think of, you know, a, a young friend of mine that I got to direct when she was in high school and now, you know, she's been on Broadway and just watching her have that moment, you know, to be able to take that stage and and have that moment and just understanding what her journey has been and the fact that she's kept going. So I would say theater showing me something significant about life. It shows me that perseverance and patience are worth it Mm. and that you have to keep hoping because there's something beautiful. There is something magical waiting for you. Oh my God, you're going to make me cry, Pam. I make a lot of people cry, not intentionally. (laughs) Sometimes it's because I've scared them, but sometimes it's because I've said something nice. Pam, like when I first met you, I was terrified. I think that's like kind of a general thing when people first meet you. I mean, I don't know if it's, it's not a bad thing because we respect you. We respect the hell out of you, Pam. And then we find out like, oh, Pam is mom. Oh, got it. Got it. Okay, great. (laughs) I think one of my favorite audition stories, Carolyn, my daughter Carolyn was helping at the audition table. And this young person uh, came into audition, freshman came into audition, and I was sitting in Sponberg with everybody else watching the auditions. And in my head, I'm just watching her audition. Yeah. And I'm looking at her and I'm trying to think, are there roles? that anybody in this room is auditioning for that I see this person best fitting into. And I'm literally just watching her and I'm trying to be in that relationship, right? That audience actor, you know, relationship for her. And for me, you know, she finishes her audition and she leaves and I make my notes. But what I found out later is she went out to the audition table and she told the people sitting at the audition table, that woman in the middle, meaning me, right? she stared into my soul. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Okay, and sadly, she never came back and auditioned again. So I don't mean to scare people, but sometimes I do. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I 
get that though. When I am watching something, like I look like a total dick. Like the eyes go narrow, the brow gets furrowed, and I'm like, I'm like really intensely focusing. <laughs> that don't look cute. <laughs> Being somebody that works with young artists all the time. What do you want young artists of this generation to know? You are unique and we need your specific voice. Please don't ever let that self-doubt that we talked about steal Mm. from you the joy that can be found in doing theater. It is scary to make yourself vulnerable. It is scary to put yourself out there. But we love you and we are rooting for you and we need you. We need your voice. We need your energy. We need your talent. We need you. You are going to be the ones who are going to go forward and you're going to make this new normal, right? And you're going to make it better. You are going to blow our minds by what you and only you are able to do. So please don't keep that from us. Please share yourselves, share your stories, share your passion and your creativity. We need you going forward. What do you want older artists of this generation to know? We're going to be okay. We're going to get through this. And it is worth our time to sit back and listen to what the next generation has to say. Mm -hmm. It's worth it for us to sit back and open ourselves up to something new, to something different. Um, We need to let go of. Well, that's the way we've done it. We need to let go of, well, that's the way it should be. Mm -hmm. And we need to open ourselves up to what can it be? What could it be? We need to allow for that change to happen. What do you want non-theater people to know about theater and what it has to offer? Non-theater people. I don't, I'm going to, Right. I'm going to take that as I think everybody, once they come into it, Mm -hmm. they are they are a theater person. Right. Because theater is ultimately about that human relationship. Mm -hmm. It's about storytelling and everybody does it in one way or another, whether you realize it or not. So you're all you're all part of it. You're all part of theater, whether you like it or not. So get on board. Um, open your, open yourselves up to it. Right. I mean, every little kid loves being told stories, right? Every little kid loves to make up stories. Mm -hmm. That's, that's part of it, man. Watch those, watch those kids and the kids, they allow themselves to be free. They allow themselves to be open to the experience. Come be open allow yourself to have that experience because there really is a magic in it that you can't find anywhere else. Yeah. That's so true. So true. 
And I love that I love that you approach that question in that way because this whole podcast, like one of the main tenets, is just that like if you don't consider yourself a theater person, you're probably still a theater person. Like you just might not have gone to a show or done the thing in theater that sparks joy in you yet. You know what I mean? But there's something there for you. Have you ever gone to a baseball game and heard color commentary? That's theater, my friend. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And if you're if you're like a cool 20-something that loves to go to the club and watch drag, that's theater. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like I said, and little little kids on the playground, that's theater. Going to church on Sunday, that's theater. Exactly. Right? It's it's all around you in ways that you just don't always think of. Yeah. It's that human connection. Ugh, I wish that this would never end. It's so beautiful. <laughs> oh, we're going to have this whole thing recorded and for posterity and anybody that just needs some like goodness and love will be able to go to this. I'm so excited. Yay. Thank you so much for being my first guest on this freaking podcast. Are you kidding me? Yay. Thank you. I hope that I hope that this serves as some inspiration to people and creative fuel and just kind of helps connect us all because we're so disconnected right now. But theater offers a point of connection. I truly believe that. Pam, thank you so much for taking some time to share your experiences with me and the listeners of this podcast. If you want to know more about Eastern Michigan University Theater, you can visit their website at emish.edu slash emutheater. You can also connect with them on all social media platforms at emutheater. Thank you, thank you, thank you for supporting Life in Theater, the podcast hosted by me, Tyler Calhoun. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. You... Yes, you listening to this podcast, you are creative, valuable, and loved. And don't you forget it. If you like what we're doing with Life in Theater, be sure to subscribe, give us a rating, or leave a review wherever you find your podcast. You can also share an episode on social media, if you're feeling it says. You can chat with me and other listeners of the show by following us on Instagram at Life in Theater Podcast. And please, please, please jump in the conversation on Instagram. I want to know what the tea is. I want to know what you think after I release the episodes. You can also subscribe on Patreon, and that is the best way to support this show. Patreon.com slash Life in Theater Podcast. There you can submit questions to be asked on the show and get access to exclusive bonus content, like the answer to some questions that I didn't include in this original episode. And maybe a story about the very first time that Terry Heck Seibert actually taught a class at Eastern Michigan University. Yeah, that's some deep tea. And find out what made Pam say this. Uh, who? golly. Mm. Who? This will be the part of the interview that's going to make me want to cry <clears throat> because. Oh, yeah, that's some hot tea. You can become a Patreon today for as little as $5 a month at patreon.com slash life and theater podcast. I'm going to end with a quote for you to muse on called the ghost light quote. In theater, ghost lights are a single light that is left lit on stage after everyone has left for the day. Ghost lights have a long tradition in theater, and there are many stories to why ghost lights have been used. 
Today, they're still used on Broadway in theaters all across the world to help the last few stragglers see their way out of a dark theater at the end of the night. I hope this quote helps to light your path. To live is the rarest thing in the world. Most people exist. That is all. Oscar Wilde. Thank you again for joining me on Life in Theater. We'll be back next week with another episode. Bye, friends.